trigger warning, even though your feelings are not my responsibility. We're going to talk today a little bit about the lovely media pandering to Joe Biden. I'm pretty sure they've got a crush on him. We're going to talk about how BLM is slowly being exposed as a very greedy Marxist organization. And the teen that was shot and chopped, the first one that was shot, the father, had reached out and told us Trump called to send his condolences, but not the mayor. All this and more coming up. This is Politics with Tony. Well, hi. Welcome. It's Politics with Tony. I'm obviously Tony. Um, doing a little, doing just a smaller podcast today. Uh, a couple segments. First off, obviously, what I wanted to talk about some is the fun and enjoyable media and how they're pandering to some of the current issues that we see in America right now. Um, oh, it's hilarious. And then, of course, I'm gonna I want to dig a little bit on Biden and things that I've been seeing with Joe Biden during this time he's supposed to be quote-unquote campaigning. Uh, Also, we're also discovering very quickly that BLM is a very greedy organization covered in packed full of Marxism. And uh, I love how that's being (laughs) kind of hidden away. Like, no, they're not that bad. They're really not. (laughs) And then I I gotta laugh. I'm still finding that there are people in this country. Now, this is another subject we'll talk about a little later. But um, there are people in this country currently that still believe that Antifa isn't even a group. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There are people that think Antifa's, that's just some made up crap that the right is, is claiming so they can be racist or I don't know what they're, I don't know. I don't know what their thought process is there. There's too much ev- evidence to show that Antifa absolutely exists. So where, what, what? what? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, we're coming up on July 4th. It's July 3rd, so hopefully everybody's gearing up for a nice, fun 4th of July, uh, 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 just a good day. I, 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 I've always enjoyed that day. It's a great day to sit around and cook and obviously the fireworks and a couple beers and yeah, all that. I might, I might, uh, might grow out my mullet real quick and get some, you know, cut off jean shorts and, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've got plenty of planned and apparently so does the rest of the country. Lots of stuff going on. One of the things, though, that has reached my uh, inbox recently was a, it was a letter, not a letter, um, like a thread that was getting sent around Facebook Messenger. Hmm. Most of you know that you get those quite a bit. People just share them to share them. Well, this one, I'm not going to read the whole damn thing. It's, it's long. It's, it's pretty long. But it was trying to show that there is some sort of evidence that proves that Antifa is organizing around the country right now. It's a certain amount of Antifa members per state that on July 4th, uh, they're going to shoot Trump supporters. And their plan, this is the plan. They've been buying up bulk fireworks. So this is, this is apparently, this thread proves this, okay? Now, look, well, the way I'm talking, I promise you, I'm not pro-Antifa. I hate the, I, I hate that entire, I, I, I like the ideology of it where we don't like fascism. Sure, that's great. But who's doing it and the organization behind it? No, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Um, but Antifa apparently has been buying bulk, large fireworks uh, over the past few weeks. They've been ordering it. Now, I'm, I'm, my, my curiosity is how do they know it's Antifa that's doing it? I mean, companies buy fireworks for the 4th of July all the time. This is July 4th, 2020. I mean, come on. We're, this, is, this is kind of a bigger July 4th. And it's a Saturday. 
how exciting is that? First 4th of July I've seen in a while on a Saturday. But apparently, the idea is they're going to do the same thing that the bricks, the the, the effect that the bricks had uh, during the riots. I don't know if y'all remember, a couple days after, well, not even a couple days, I think it was within the first day or two, uh, bricks, pallets of bricks just started showing up in, in some of these cities that had riots. Of course, that would slightly instigate the idea of, hey, I'll pick this brick up and send it through the window. And then it was found there was no construction going on anywhere around where the bricks were. A good indicator that it was planned. A lot of people even claimed it may have been planned. I believe it was, because that just seems weird. But apparently they're gonna set they're gonna set pallets of fireworks in black neighborhoods and allow the blacks to fire them off, because the claim is you can celebrate Juneteenth as well on this day. Which is confusing to me. It's not Juneteenth, it's July 4th, whatever. But then under the the, 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 the the shroud of nonstop fireworks, they're going to the, these Antifa members are going to sneak into white neighborhoods and shoot Trump supporters. That's the that's that's the theory currently. Now, I had to throw in a little bit of my thought process here. First, we all know. I think we all we're all pretty well versed on the idea that Antifa isn't really known to carry weapons or carry, let's say, guns. They don't, they don't carry guns. You don't see that often. On occasion, sure, but not very often. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm sorry, but most of the kids that I see that are in, in Antifa, they don't look like they've got a job that'll sustain, that they can sustain long enough to actually purchase a weapon. <laughs> okay, that's a little mean, but I'm just saying, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like these would be the type of people that would be like, I want to be a responsible gun owner. I'm like, I, I just don't see it. So you're not seeing that. So what I think is going on, what I think maybe, and I'm not saying that this is factual, but this is something I'm keeping in mind while I'm watching the Antifa stuff unfold, I guess. It's been known that Antifa is an instigator. They, they do. They try to incite violence. They try to incite a lot of negativity. Uh, they were doing it with the BLM protest. They were hiding within the BLM protest and then instigating a riot and then leaving and then letting the cops basically attack whoever's protesting and then be like, look how bad the cops are. It's a tactic. I understand it. Um, I don't like it, but I do get it. My thoughts are this isn't no different. It's just a slightly, slightly different way to do it. So what I'm seeing, what I think I see, right, this whole thread was created by Antifa. Gave it to a right, uh, a right-leaning individual or a Trump supporter or a Republican, something. I said, look at this. So that Republican, whoever it was, starts sharing, and it just keeps going. Because the idea would be, well, what we can do is make them think that we're going to come after them. So that way, Trump supporters are on vigil, a vigil alert, and maybe they'll just shoot people thinking that they're Antifa trying to threaten them. And you might see a rise in gun violence. On July 4th, which would initiate the all-too-familiar gun control narrative that comes up every election that has not come up yet. <laughs> of course, you still hear about gun control issues. You still hear about how there might be this legislation or that state you know, talking about this with guns or that county talking about that. But nothing nationwide, nothing on a federal level that's hit the mainstream media yet. It hasn't done it. Specifically, at least in this year's media cycle, I haven't seen anything about a major gun control issue come up. That's exactly what this seems like it could try to incite. And then the next one, 
that I haven't heard much of as far as big is immigration. So my curiosity too is after the 4th, since we're celebrating Independence Day, right? People are going to be talking about freedom and what the country stands for. And of course, immediately, we're probably going to drop right into an immigration argument. Well, for the land of the free and blah, 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 and bring me your tired, your hungry, your poor, or whatever. They're going to argue this. I feel that that's exactly what's going to happen right after the 4th, okay? This is all leading up to just more arguments. It's, it, it, it's, it's a media thing. Now, we're going to talk about media here in a little bit, but... I wanted to first start off with the Antifa thing because I'm telling you, there's a lot of fake crap getting thrown around. I don't know if this is fake. I can't say that for sure. But I also can't say that it's real. So officially, if I can't say it's real, then until it is proven real, I'm just going to assume it's not. I have to. Um, Now, sure, I'm reading the message coming from this, and I'm taking it in going, okay, so there's a possibility (laughs) that Antifa might be trying to incite violence. However they, however they do it, if they do it, I will be paying attention to that. But I'm not going to go rush, running around shooting people who look like they might be Antifa or who support Antifa or nothing like that. I can't do it. Um, and for those of you, by the way, that don't believe me or have never, that don't believe the idea of Antifa, I challenge you to Google and look up the findings of Project Veritas. It's a project that was started... Oof, a while back now, and what they finally managed to do is begun to slowly infiltrate the Antifa organization, which it is an organization. So what they're doing is they're they're infiltrating it and acting as they're trying to become Antifa or trying to, you know, they support Antifa. They're trying to train to get, you know, higher up in the in this organization. They're training. There's there's places for training grounds. There's people who organize who goes to these training grounds. They've been they've been getting money. That supports these training grounds. I'm, I, I don't understand how you think it's not an organization when there are apps, absolutely training grounds. And of course, since everybody has the right, and it's a private property thing, you can't get in there and be like, you can't do this, because technically, you can. I, I, I don't like it, but they're, they're prepping people to be fascist while being anti-fascist. I don't understand that. You know, I, I never did. Let's attack people for things that they like that we don't like. That's, that's literally what fascism is. I just, I don't get it. You know, the forceful oppression of opposition, suppression of opposition. So anything that goes against what you, like, like, if, like if you like something and somebody doesn't like that, fascism would be that you went and tried to silence them. That they can't voice against what you like. That's exactly what fascism is, which is exactly what Antifa's doing. I don't understand that, okay? And most people don't realize it, because they always try to target it back to like the 1930s, 1940s, where Antifa was sort of born, okay? But even back then, there was two types of Antifa. It wasn't just one. There was Here in America, we had that, but it was more of the protesting and petitioning and stuff like that. In Europe, they had, they, they, they had Antifa as well, but they were communists. <laughs> they were communists. <laughs> they acted the exact same. So when somebody says is that this is some sort of mirror organization from those back in you know 30s and 40s. Ask them, is it the communist one or the the the, 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 the democratic one here in, in the states? Because clearly it's the communist one in my opinion. But I don't know. And then and then what I find funny, we talk about communism and, and, and in Marxism as well. So recently, BLM BLM has slowly come under fire, not specifically, but the the, the founders, uh, Patrice and Alicia Patrice. I don't remember her last name. And then uh, Alicia Garza, both on tape admitted that they are trained Marxists. 
that they are organizers and Marxists, and that's their goal. That, that That's some, something that they hold on to. And you know, it makes perfect sense. Go on their website. The language that they use all throughout, like the About Us section or the Defund Police section, things like that, you can see how they talk, and it is Marxist. It's very Marxist in nature. You know, they, uh, uh, Malcolm X would talk to people uh, when we when he these major speeches. And I loved a lot of what he said because some of what he said was very true um, or very you know insightful. But he would say things like he would talk to the masses, which is exactly a Marxist thing to say, and that's all over. BLM, okay? No, I'm not, I'm obviously I'm not saying that that clearly means they're Marxists. No, but then they use language like comrades. Comrades. <laughs> A communist word. Not specific to them, but that's more of what they would use. And then you're looking at things like um, they stand against and they, 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 they want to get rid of the the nuclear, what I, I can't remember, what they, something prescribed nuclear family, which is basically the idea that, you know, we have a, a husband and a wife, husband works, mom stays at home, take care of the kids and go to school, you know, whatever, all that stuff. They don't like that. Now, fine. If you don't want to live that certain way, thumbs up. Don't. You don't have to. But you shouldn't be trying to tell other people not to do it. And what I find funny, many, many people, many people on both sides of the aisle, because like I said, this is a political podcast. I look at the political aspect of these issues. Both sides of the aisle said the same thing, that a fatherless household is the main reason that you have some of the issues you did have in the black community. You want to trace that back to where it starts, and it always starts. It's always started with the Democrats, with what they, with, with the welfare programs that they put in place for single mothers. If you don't marry him, you'll get all this money. You'll get all this assistance. So these women wouldn't marry this guy that they had a kid with because he might not have been making as much money as they could receive. So not only are they going to receive these benefits, they're going to get child support. And that's what these women saw, so they did. And it was screwing the men over. So they would slowly lead themselves into a life of crime. Is it ever... Now, now I'm going to point fingers and say it's all your fault. You know, fatherless homes, all the, the, the their fault. You know what? Decision-making had to be made for the betterment of themselves, however they needed to do it. Now, yes, it seems greedy to me, but at the same time, if you're stuck in a position to where you've got to look for the better option and you've got to bite a bullet, it's not like I can sit there and point fingers at them and say, it's all your fault. But, you know, now, now we have the capability. Have, the, the dissemination of information has increased exponentially since the Internet. You can find anything you need to figure out what it is you can do Aside from just depend on the government, you know, and I mean, and, and that's the problem too. Is it is it is kind of a great thing. So if you if you look at it through an, uh, 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 sort of a social aspect, you're seeing a woman who would prefer having a lot of money versus making sure that her, that her child has her father or has the child's father in the, in their life. Now, did guys do the same thing? Yes, I'm not saying this is all women, but generally speaking. Where all this sort of started, we're talking between 1968 up to, no, 1964 up to like 19, hell, the 80s really, uh, is these programs that were put in place after redlining came became a thing and then was deemed illegal three years later. You know, that, that the programs were still there and they weren't illegal. 
the redlining portion of it was, but the programs put in place for that redlining, quote-unquote, was still legal. Um, there are many options, and that's the thing. That's why I mentioned the dissemination of information right now. It's, it's amazing. Because you can get out of the situation you're in. I don't care what situation you're in. You can get out of it. If you don't like it, there's ways out of it. Instead of complaining that no one's helping, exhaust all your options first before you decide to bitch. Because there's things that you could do for yourself that could solve the problem. And you don't know. But complaining and, making, and wanting someone else to take care of your issues. Now, this is not a race thing. This is an anybody thing at this point. Because that's what the problem is in America right now. Everybody wants to bitch. Somebody's not giving them something. And they're not owed anything. Nobody owes anybody anything. Maybe on a personal basis as far as, I, I helped you out with gas one day. That's not the same. I'm talking about, you know, generationally or citizens versus government or, you know, any of that. No. Nobody owes anybody anything. What, we, what we're all owed is the fair opportunities, which we all have. Fair and equal opportunities across the board. We all have the same ones. That's the only thing we're really owed. But with BLM, and I'm going back to the original point here, with BLM being found that way, it's it's hilarious to me through most of the points and most of the bullets within the BLM organization, or at least on the website, where it all looks like it's very... They, they want to make it look nice and want to make it, want to make it sound good. And sure, in, in some moments, in reading some of it, it sounded good. We're helping black people and then by extension, all people. That's another full duress that, you know, black people are, are essentially the ones that help everybody or something like that. I don't understand that language. If you're trying to help black lives, then how are you helping everyone? Because what you're trying to do is silence certain things so that blacks have an advantage. I'm sorry, but that's exactly what this BLM movement's doing. It's trying to silence and get rid of certain things within our culture, within the entire American culture. I'm not just talking about anybody specific, but entire American culture in order to give blacks more of an advantage. Now, we could all we could all argue different points. So if you want to talk about the law enforcement side of, of the issue, sure. Uh, I, I've always, I've, I'm still in agreement that yes, we can look at police reform in a certain way, but defunding them isn't smart. Adding funds might not be the dumbest thing, specifically on the idea of training, because I think that that was the major problem with a lot of what we're seeing right now is a lack of training. So getting rid of cops is really stupid. And what's funny is you ever mention to anybody, defund the police is stupid, they, they, we shouldn't just get rid of police. Then people will usually respond with things like, no, no, that's not what we're doing. That's stupid if you think we're trying to get rid of the cops. Okay, so then can you explain to me why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez even said, yes, that is what we mean by defund the police. We mean to defund the police. Literally her words. Abolish the police. That's what she said. That's what this is. So, how can... I, I'm sorry, but that's the political arm. Okay, that's the political end of this. Nobody's arguing with her that supports her or the BLM movement. Nobody. So if it's not about getting rid of the cops, then why are you backing up the person that says that's exactly what it's about? I don't understand. I really, I don't, I don't. And of course, in New York, she's probably going to stick around just because, I'm sorry, New York's packed full of idiots. It's, it's, it's clear. It's obvious at this point. Swearing up and down. I mean, there's many people in New York that, that, that have been woken up to the idea that de Blasio and Cuomo have been screwing up royally up there, but a lot of them still praise them. I don't understand that. <laughs> but 
Yeah, that, that they, they want to get rid of cops. AOC admitted it. Occasional cortex, as we like to call her. Because she only occasionally uses it. And what's funny, too, is BLM completely supports this. But the NFL had announced that they want to do... It's a black national... Now, I can't remember the song title. I've, I've heard the song a few times. I do like the song. It's an older song, but it's good. Uh, but apparently, it's 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 been quoted as the black national anthem. So what they're going to do, at the and, and I don't know what, which game it is, um, but I was reading about this and I got irritated. I forgot the game because I was just so pissed off. They're going to do the black national anthem before the, the American national anthem. Okay. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. Fine. But the idea of the national anthem is that it is, it is the anthem for the entire nation. Okay? The entire nation. So, whenever that anthem is played, that's for all U.S. citizens. That's that's what it's for for, for, for. for all of America. The black national anthem is specifically for the blacks in America. So you're telling me... Now, this is just the NFL. I don't think this is countrywide. I don't think this, that's what this is at all. But it's being praised by many on the BLM side and you know, on the left and, of course, many blacks. This as, is as a good thing. But all this is promoting is segregation. How is this promoting anything else? Yeah, you whites can have your national anthem we've got ours so we're gonna keep that separate that's that's segregation like what what how did we progress back to segregation this is exactly what's happening right now we're slowly working our way back to segregation slowly they want to they want to they, they want they want to start up the blacks colleges again so the blacks only colleges again um i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just amazed that that's the direction that this that this country is taking over time that's all i see and it's sad to me and then, of course, the greed. The greedy side of the BLM. Oh, it's so fun. So, of course, this isn't an, as specific to BLM. But Sean King, we all know Sean King. He's some. He's a huge spokesperson for BLM. As far as the fact that he's famous and just supports him, of course, that's what they would consider. But his influence is what matters here. Well, it's been discovered that... Uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a charity that Sean King had. Uh, I don't remember the the title of it, but they found that his uh, that some of the money that was coming from the charities were getting sent back towards the pack leaders within the charity. So some of the people within the organization, the charity organization, was getting some of the charity. Four hundred and sixty million dollars so far. I'll tell you what, let me let me let me just say this because I didn't write that number down like a dummy. It could be 460,000, but I'm pretty sure it's 460 million. But if I if I get that backwards, just let me know. So it's one of the two, but either way, that's wrong. <laughs> that's that's just unethical. And uh, nobody's complaining. And of course, you know, BLM doesn't mind. They don't care. And I don't, why wouldn't they? It's money in their pocket. I I guess. I don't know. Um that's hilarious. Uh, I'm going to jump off that real quick. We'll talk about COVID real fast. Um, you know how right now we've been talking about how Dr. F- Dr. Fauci had come out saying it's, we're, we're, we might be back up to 100,000 a day as far as like cases or whatever. I love this because first of all, a lot of people didn't really, li- like the left didn't listen to Dr. Fauci in the beginning. They didn't care. Then most of the people on the right learned that he's more, he panders way too much. He He's, 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 more liberal than he thinks, or than he's than he's than he's claiming. It was pretty obvious. 
Uh, got through all that horseshit with him, but now the left loves him. And we're all wrong for not listening to him. <laughs> we're the science deniers. <laughs> I just, I get a kick out of that. We're the science deniers. But there's more than two genders. Okay, fine. But what I find hilarious about all this is, is many people are saying, there's, so, there's a huge spike going on. Well, first of all, media. The media, the media, the media. They do this constantly. They're pandering to everything. This is... This is part of the show today. Is, the, is is pandering? It pisses me off, and there's so much of it. But even the even even the media is pandering to this whole thing and saying that, how terrible it is. But they're also saying things like protesting was important. But going back to work, no, it's bad. It's what's hurting people. We got to stop opening business. is terrible. We got to stop. But protesting, that's fine. You can do that as long as it's for BLM or anti-Trump. That's fine. But all oh, that that Tulsa rally? No, nope, see you. You, you're killing people because now they've got cases. So, see, the rallies are bad. And we'll, we're going to talk about the correlation between Biden and the rallies and Corona and, and the media later because I'm starting to see something that I don't like. But right now, that, that the, the claim is that there's this huge spike in cases because of, I'm going to say, it protests. Uh, uh, they're, 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 there's a spike because of, yes, going back to work, lots of that stuff. Every every reason for why people have hit the streets over the last two months is the reason there's a spike. You can't get around that, okay? But we're watching deaths drop dramatically, literally, today, right now. It's Friday, July 3rd, okay? So July 2nd, what I'm going to talk to you about is July 1st through July 2nd. The CDC put out a number, 370 deaths countrywide in a 24-hour period. That was it. Damn, that's an 80% mortality rate drop from April, uh, uh, March, April, I think, or May. 80% drop in the mortality rate. And then you got to look at the age groups, okay? This huge spike in cases is coming from the age groups of 25 to 35, right around that area. And who is in the 25 to 35 range? Um, people that aren't in colleges, that have jobs, that are going back to work now, okay? Some of them are protesters, sure. And that's, we've got to go that route. So you've got a lot of them that are about my age. I'm 30, I'm 35, okay? Now, of course, I went to protests, and a lot of people I saw there, they, were, they range anywhere between, like, we're talking, like, 21 up to 30. So, huge amounts of those. And, and these are the most social people. And now it's summer and vacation. So they're the ones getting out. They're the ones going and seeing their friends. They're the ones doing stuff. And then they're the ones catching coronavirus. They're the ones that also have a 0.26 mortality rate currently. If you are close to my age, you have around a 0.26, actually no, if, if it's, it's like 24, 21 to 30, I think you've got a 0.26%. It jumps up to maybe a half percent for my age group. But I'm telling you, you have more of a chance of dying from the common flu right now at our age group than you do coronavirus. How crazy is that? How absolutely insane is that? <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> But but the media is playing into how this is evil. Go, letting everybody go back into the streets and do it. It's evil. It's terrible. Don't do it. But you can protest. Now, literally, there there's, there were there were there were uh, 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 local governments telling certain hospitals that they can't ask people if they were a protest. That like you can't ask them if they were a protest. You could sure you could, if they were at a Trump rally, you can ask them. Were you did you go to a, a campaign rally for you know a political party? But you can't say, did you go to a protest? And the whole point of doctors asking that is to see if they can trace back and see if they can find more people that might have it. They're trying to assist the issue. But literally the government, there's certain 
arms of the government that have been saying, no, you can't ask them that. Yes, you can. That's the whole point. We need to know. <laughs> Where's this? <laughs> Come on. And, uh, but it's the media, too. So you've got certain government officials that are just playing into this. No, you can't ask about protests because it's really important right now. And the media is just swallowing it up. They think it's they think it's they think it's crazy. So of course you don't see the media talking about at all talking about oh people aren't dying anywhere near as near as as fast as they were before. Nowhere near. We just have an increase in cases, which is not the worst thing in the world. We're we're, we're slowly kicking this thing's butt, and yet for some reason, media is nope, nope. It's terrifying. We gotta stop. We gotta shut down. We gotta shut down. This is awful. Gotta shut down. I don't, I don't get the shutdown process. I just don't understand why we're trying to reshut down. Now there's certain places, maybe if they're seeing a real issue, slowly shutting some things down a little bit just to allow everyone else to keep moving. But I don't understand why we're trying to shut everything back down. It's the stupidest, it's, it's, it's insanity. Okay. I'm going to cut off here for a few minutes. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we're actually going to talk about a correlation that I'm starting to slowly see between Biden, the media, and the coronavirus. Because I'm slowly starting to see that there have been things happening behind a curtain that I'm not sure that all of us are paying attention to. And what I mean is, Joe Biden, had we've all known that he wasn't going to campaign. Uh, but as soon as it was more publicly known that he wasn't campaigning was the exact same time the media started telling us COVID's bad and we need to shut back down. Hmm. Trying to keep people away from Trump rallies, I guess, huh? That's what we're going to talk about. So I'll be right back in a few minutes. Politics with Tony. Welcome back. This is still Politics with Tony, and I am obviously Tony. Um, gonna have to change some things a little bit. <laughs> so uh, uh, right after I recorded those first that first uh, segment, uh, my phone broke. <laughs> Destroyed the screen on my phone. <laughs> so uh, it took me over a week to get it fixed. And in that time, that entire time span, I didn't record anything. So there has been a lot that has happened since that first bit, uh, that first segment. I did want to talk about Joe Biden. I wanted to talk about BLM, a few other things. I'm going to have to go ahead and not do that. So I'm going to cut this podcast short, and I'm going to cut it here. Um, and I'm going to try to bring some of the up-to-date stuff up. So, yeah, uh, I, my, I apologize. Uh, I can't, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's talk a little bit. Talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Um, and I'm going to revert back to my mindset back when, uh, and if you can hear my child, he's out playing. Um, I, I, uh, I'm going to try to revert back to the mindset I had whenever I at first started thinking about this podcast. Okay, so the old idea with Joe Biden, and what I was what I was wanting to talk about is how the events have unfolded, sort of with this. I love that you can hear him. Um, with this whole coronavirus campaign thing with with Joe Biden, so we all know that Joe Biden's not going on any sort of campaign trail. He's just not doing it. Uh, and that's not the worst thing in the world, I guess. Um, specifically, specifically, if you uh, like Joe, 
because you probably already know that mentally speaking, he's not 100% there. He's just not. <laughs> and then, and you know, that's not even a, that's not even a derogatory thing. It's not like, well, it might be, but I'm not doing it to be directly mean to him. It's just, it's kind of obvious at this point that his cognitive capability isn't quite there. It's just not, I mean, sure, he can probably talk a little bit, but it's not much. I'm sorry, it's just not. But, <sighs> noticeably, he started hanging out in the basement and all that silliness. And then, literally right after, the COVID thing started coming back. It started getting bad again. And it was really frustrating. The biggest reason that's frustrating is because it's kind of obvious it was in the news. That if you look at the actual COVID numbers, and I think that's what we'll talk about in the next podcast, uh, a lot of this COVID issues... Um, COVID started coming back up in, in the news cycle. So, of course, it was right after the protesting, where nobody cared about COVID suddenly. They're like, oh, if you're protesting, by all means, go out and do your thing. Um, but then as, as, you know, slowly as the protests started dying down and states were reopening, you get this just insane uh, uh, amount of, well, COVID's going to start, we're going to start seeing these spikes and all this other stuff. <laughs> It is so stupid. Now, a lot of the attributes... Wow, the attributes. That's not what I was trying to do. A lot of what contributes to this... <laughs> there, there we go. Is the idea that... Um, everybody seems to think... Not everybody, but the people that, that seems to think that there's going to be this massive uptick in cases and deaths and whatever. They're blaming it on the reopening of the states. So, for instance, any state that opened early... That's that. They're the ones that are the problem. That that's that's a problem. That they're the ones that are going to have the issues. And now they're saying they're the ones that are causing the problem. That the reopening was too fast. And of course, looking looking at the political end of this, it was mostly red states that opened early. So yeah, they're like that. Republicans don't know what they're doing. Okay, okay. Mathematically, then we look at it a little bit more in detail, and you start discovering eh, that's not right. So everybody knows that Georgia was like one of the first states to open really, really early. Did anybody know that Colorado opened the same day? I bet not a lot of people did. Opened the exact same day. The exact same day that Georgia reopened, Colorado did. Colorado's not in the news. Colorado wasn't even mentioned. Oh, well, then you're going to probably tell me, well, they're doing better. There is an uptick in, in, uh, in Georgia, but there's not a massive uptick in Colorado. Hmm, okay, cool. So now let's look at the time of the year. We're talking about May and June. Warming up. Everything's getting hot. I just drove through Georgia and Florida. I went down there to visit family, who I have living in Florida and Georgia. And I spent two weeks down there. Middle. It was the end of May. Actually, a little bit into June, actually, too. Uh, and uh, I can tell you this much right now. It is stupid hot. Very hot. So, of course... You're going to have these people in Georgia, right? The state's now reopened. People can go and do what they, uh, they, they want, kind of. Slight restrictions, but nothing major. So you have people going out and having fun and doing their thing. Possibly contracting the virus. Sure. No, no. We're still going to have those cases where people are going to get it. Duh. But now because of the heat, they're going back in the house. Oh, God, it's too hot out here. I want to sit in AC, get it cool off. And they're doing it in close proximity with their friends who they're visiting or their family they're visiting, anything like that. So now they're spending a lot more time in homes, in closed spaces. And you're really wondering why we have a 
an uptick in cases? Well, yes, of course we have an uptick in cases. We still don't have a death problem. They're always saying how, oh, they're gonna, the Republicans are gonna kill us. The three worst states, Massachusetts, New York, and, and, and uh, Jersey, all blue. Don't even, don't even with that, well, the Republicans are the ones doing it. And then Colorado, beautiful summers. Of course more people are outside, so that's where they're not in close proximity on a regular basis. Hmm. Weird how that kind of kind of pans out. But nobody wants to think of these things. There's I've said this many times. We gotta look, we've gotta look at the specifics of any sort of st- statistics. And right there is a really good specific to pay attention to. The temperatures. Why not? That that does play a factor. I'm sorry, but I know this. A lot of people in Georgia. Okay, it was a nice day, we go out and do our thing, but I'm telling you, once it got hot, like one, two o'clock in the afternoon, they <laughs> buried in the house till it was cool enough again, which wasn't until like eight or nine o'clock at night. So you're sitting at home with your family or friends or whatever, close proximity, obviously very much more capable of passing a, a virus back and forth. Duh. And then on top of that too, let's yes, let's blame these states for reopening early. But the the gestation period, gestation incubation well i don't know which word it is so i'm sorry if i'm getting that wrong but that there's a two-week period before you start showing real you know problematic symptoms of covid so two weeks you have it so these states that reopened early that was like 10 weeks ago or like eight weeks ago isn't it eight but now it's about 10 and um yeah nothing so i don't understand how it's the republicans fault I'm not going to point fingers at Democrats, even though I'm wondering why they keep burying some of these bigger COVID-19 problems and saying things like, well, New York's, you know, they're doing the best they can. They think they're doing great. What? 30, 30, what, up to, up to today, it's like 37,000 people died there. The next highest was Jersey at 15,000. And then if you go and look at like, you know, deaths per million, not one single blue state or not one single red state is even close to how many are dead in blue states. Not one. And the reason I say that, uh, I, I, I think I might actually get these numbers and break them down to you in the next podcast. But we're looking at things like uh, uh, per million as far as deaths in New York, we're somewhere around like 1,100. Whereas in Texas, which has more population than New York, had like 10 times less deaths per million than New York. And then you'd be like, well, what about their... What about the, their, um, what about what about the fact that it's more uh, the population's a little bit more dense? Okay, I agree. That probably has a big factor. That probably plays its its role in, in in the statistics. So I'm not against that, but that's a problem because it took New York so long to even decide on certain aspects of that. And really, we knew. We knew in February. We knew. Matter of fact, I think we knew sooner than that. But we knew back in February that. Some of the more susceptible um, groups were people that were older. And yet in New York, it was almost regular practice in the beginning to put these, you know, some of the retired people or elderly in homes. And we're talking about elderly that had COVID and shoving them in other homes with other elderly. <laughs> really? <laughs> and a lot of, and what I, I've even seen Democrats slightly trying to defend this, saying, well, you know, it's not the youth. So, I mean, that's... Yes, it's still sad they died, but it's not as serious as the deaths of younger people. All right, fine. If you want to play that game, but that literally doesn't further any argument. There's still people dying. And then if you really want to use that, why can't you look at the specifics? Why can't you look at 
how hard that was for some people to deal with watching their family members or older family members die because some mayor and, 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 and some governor can't take care of themselves and can't take care of their state, right? So they're doing what they want to do and they're letting, they're, they're shoving old people in these homes, old people are dying, and then you have families that can't go to their funerals and then they had to sit there and watch. People did, didn't even know George Floyd crammed together in a church for his funeral. I'm not going to sit here and talk shit about Floyd. But that is the most irritating thing in my life, that you can't go and see your family. Some of them might have been heroes in some way, shape, or form. But then you've got George Floyd, who was a damn near career criminal. He shouldn't have died. Absolutely not. But then you've got thousands of people crammed together in a church to celebrate his life. And that's allowed. It was confusing, it was irritating, and I didn't like it. Okay, well, I want to leave something uh, uh, <laughs> for the next podcast. I'm going to cut it here. Um, again, I'm like I said, I'm sorry. Uh, the phone broke, so there was a good well, about a week and some change in between the two segments. <laughs> so I will make sure this next one I do kind of a whole larger segment just to get it done. Uh, there's a lot I want to talk about. I am going to bring up Biden again because there has been more that's come out since uh, I initially wanted to talk about it. More from BLM. Uh, more from the protests, more from the the issues that we're having across the country, like the couple that, that, that you know, of course everybody sees them, like the Karen and Ken thing, where they, they were out defending their home uh, with weapons, as or with guns, as a crowd of people broke into a gated community. Uh, they're currently now, their guns were confiscated, and they're looking at, the, 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 the prosecutors in Missouri are actually looking into throwing the book at them. That's, that's, that's wrong. That's as wrong as it gets. We're going to bring that up. Um, tons, tons of things. And then, and then, as a small tidbit, I'm going to throw this here at the end. Uh, I, I have a friend uh, that I knew in high school, and I think I may have talked about support, but it was this, this friend of mine in high school. Uh, he is a, he's a Biden supporter, Trump hater. He was actually, I think, a Bernie supporter as well. Um, he has decided he's going to run for the presidency in 2024. Now, I initially, a long time ago, this is, I'm back in 2016, when Trump was running, I had told people, well, fine, you don't like the candidates, then why don't you run yourself? Nobody wanted to hear that, so I was going to show them by running in 2020. I screwed that up because, well, I didn't screw that up, COVID did. It took my job, and I couldn't, couldn't, uh, I needed to focus on work instead of trying to get, <laughs> trying to become president, so <laughs> I did. So my, my goal now is to set myself up to actually run in 2024, and I want to run against the, the the friend that I have that's running in 2024. Now, his platform is Stop the Hate. You know, Harmon 2024 is his, uh, Dustin Harmon is his name. Um, now, I can I could I could talk about him quite a bit as far as his pol- political views. And yes, I don't think he's well informed on some things, very uneducated on some other things. Uh, but he makes good points as far as hatred. Um, I don't like that he thinks that Trump is just the worst person in the world. Uh, because some of the things that he claims, it's just, it's completely taken out of context. But that happens a lot, so it's not like I'm not, getting, I'm not even getting mad at that. You, know, you say what you want about the guy, but he's still doing a great job, whatever. But um, what I will say is he tends to want to listen beyond, you know, obviously any party line views. He will actually listen, and not too many people do that. And And I can appreciate and respect that. So I don't have a whole lot of negativity to say about him other than 
uh, if I'm running against him, which I plan on at this point. We'll just leave leave it up to the we'll leave it up to uh, the imagination in 2024 when that comes. But anyway, if you liked what you heard today, let me know. If you hated what you heard today, let me know. Um, if you heard something I said that was wrong or that's something I need to improve, tell me. Say something. It's fine. I'm currently banned on Facebook. But if you can find me, I'm on Facebook, uh, Tony Wong. Um, I'm now on Parlor as well. Uh, if you look up, it's my tag is Cap for Trump. C A P F O R T R U M P. Cap for Trump. Uh, uh, that's the one I'm going to start using a little bit more. It's a lot more unbiased. It's a lot more open. Um, it reminds me of sort of like a Twitter Instagram mix. Is what it feels like quite a bit. Uh, but it's good. I like it. I don't have a problem with it. I've, I've been enjoying it. There's a lot of people on it already because they're getting sick of Facebook. Uh, so if you'd like to find me on, on Parlor, that's how you find me. Uh, I, and I'm going to continue trying to improve some of my platforms. I'm actually talking right now about actually beginning a video podcast. I don't know how well that'll work, but I want to try it. So anyway, uh, lots to come. Uh, I got a, got a pretty big podcast plan here in the next uh, day or so. I'm going to get that out because, like I said, the whole broken phone thing kind of screwed up the schedule so anyway stay tuned and this is politics with tony Thank you.